You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. In the town of Esterhazy stands one of Canada's national historical sites. The Esterhazy flour mill is the only remaining wood frame construction flour mill in the province. I'm Kevin Power, and my first guest is Ralph May, a local resident and member of the Friends of the Esterhazy Flour Mill, a dedicated group of volunteers who proudly maintain one of our provincial treasures. After a guided tour with Ralph, we head over to the Esther Hazy Museum, where Ralph has arranged for me to meet two local residents, Jim Millam and Ray Bradley. The three of us had a great time as they reminisced about growing up in the area, and believe me, we laughed a lot. These are treasured memories that deserve to be remembered. Memories about making your own fun without our modern technology— learning to live without the things we take for granted today, and the hard work of growing up on the farm during the Depression years. Enjoy the podcast. So today I'm in Esterhazy, and I'm with Ralph May, um, who is going to take me through the Esterhazy flour mill. Ralph, you were just telling me that this has now been designated not only a provincial heritage site, but a national Heritage site. That's correct, yeah. We have a plaque that was presented by appropriate dignitaries uh, two years ago. And that's a lot of paperwork to make A lot of paperwork. We went then to changes in government, so we waited some period of time before they... Right. You know, but it's an old building. It's not going anywhere, so that's fine. Right. How long have you been um, sort of uh, chief cook and bottle washer around the flour mill? I I got involved with the place here uh, about... Oh, my goodness, 15 years ago. 60, right. And uh, I'm not chief of anything. But a group just, of volunteers. <laughs> probably a, a group of dedicated it's, volunteers. It's a group of volunteers, absolutely. As have, with everywhere. I happen to be the chairman, but that's sort of because nobody else wants it or whatever. Right. You must feel a tremendous sense of pride having that national designation. Yes, it did, we did good. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, so we're just going inside the flour mill here. So this is the office. Uh-huh. So uh, the last guy actually lived in here. There would have been a cot here. Oh. And, and this desk, which is original. Right. It wasn't here when we started working, but when we got it fixed up, people had come in and said it's going to get damaged. They took it home, and then they brought it back to us. So uh-huh. That's the kind of support we've had in town. Now, when you say the, the guy that would work here would also, would he live here yeah. as well? Yeah, well, some of them did, yeah. Right. Yeah, the one guy, Otto Rosler, was the last guy that... Uh, Milled here. Right. When, a, did, when did this cease to be a functioning mill? Uh, we think about 1979. Right. Uh, we're not sure exact. There was another guy who owned it for a while, but I don't think he milled any okay. flour. And it started 1907, when? June 1907. of 1907. So it was a significant part of the 
economy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Before this mill was put in, yeah. people went to Whitewood, which is 30 miles from here. Right, right. With, we heard stories of people putting grain in a bag on a toboggan and walking to Whitewood and getting flour and bringing it back. No kidding. And when this got established, because the Hungarian settlement, yeah. Cap is far out here. Right. Well, there was two townships set aside for Hungarian settlement. Right. And then the Kapisvar Church was established in 1886, I think it was. So that was the start here. Yeah. And then the railway came in here, and then they they wanted the mail out there. Is my story whether that happened or not? It didn't right. happen, but is whether that right? that's true or not, it came here. Right. And the railway came through here, and and the flour that they milled here would be distributed all over the province, or it was all across Canada, particularly oh. during the war. Right. Or wars. Right. Because 1907 and, and on. Right. And, then, uh, and, of course, around town here and so on and so, so forth. So a major source of revenue. Oh, absolutely. For... And it was a meeting place for people that came to town, dropped off their wheat. They would take home flour, but not their own flour because it takes right. probably a day and a half to get it prepared and milled. So Right. Does the railway still go through Esther? <clears throat> no, it's been yeah. removed right yeah. over here is where it used to be. Now yeah. it's a park, so that's yeah. nice. Often the case in these but This months. is something I often point out. We have the titles to all the property from oh, the right. time Esther Hazy was formed. And this particular one is interesting. So these are enlarged originals. These are originals, but they're... Right, yes. Yeah. Right, encased in plastic. So this is Reverend Francis Woodcutter of Kapisvar, which is the church of yes. there. District of Assiniboine, because this wasn't even a province then. Right. In the Northwest Territories. And he right, was a okay. priest. And on here gives a bit of information about what was owned. And on the back, it says who owned what and when it was paid off. And oh, look at that. And wow. So and so forth. So there's lots of good information on here. Right. This. And again, my story is the church, this didn't get built out by Kapisvar. Right. But Francis owned all this property and he sold this to the railway. Uh -huh. So all these individual lots were sold to the railway for the railway bed through here. So this is what the mill looked like when we started working on it. Right. And you All can right. see what it looks like today. Right. So tell me, was there quite a battle to even um, want to restore this? Was there Were there segments of the town that wanted to just tear it down? I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> basically it, yeah. it was, the guy walked away from it in 1981. Right. And it was empty basically for 15 years. Right. Pigeons and whatever were in there. Right. And then there was a fellow from Quebec who was who mills organic flour, mm -hmm. and he owned some flour mills. Mm -hmm. And he was at a presentation in Verdon, Manitoba, right. to organic farmers. And the mayor from here at the time, Scotty Breen, went to this meeting along with another fellow, and they said, "This is some this we should show him this mill." Yeah. So they talked him into coming here, and he came, and he made a very enthusiastic presentation. About how if the mill got fixed up, he would buy it and our mill flour, and and that got a committee going. Oh, good! So he was able. And to... then about two years later, I joined that committee, and I've been on it ever since. But, oh, right. Uh, but he was certainly, and then he actually owned the place for a while, mm -hmm. and then now the town owns it. It took a while to get it back. Though. And he's a still an organic farmer. I don't know. I haven't right. heard from him. Yeah. So he walked away, and we didn't clean. Oh, it up. I wondered and, if he'd come back. Saw, no, we never oh. saw him again. Wow! And so in two thousand and thirteen. 2003, four, we got an award for the exterior work that we did. Right. Here's me shaking hands with the lieutenant and governor. And my dear, dear close friend, Linda. Have Isn't she wonderful? 
Oh, she man. has a great pal. And there was a group of us went over to Munster, actually, is where the presentation took place. So this is right. some of the people on our committee. So it was your 100th in 2007. Yeah. Right? And look, there's everybody dressed up in yeah, some that's, original again, costume. This is, this is two of the fellows that work at the mill all the time, Leo right. and Mike, right. and their wives. And then they, we've got a wagon in here that was donated to us from a farmer and bought it in 1917. So it's parked in here. They had a little grinder, and they were spewing flour at people in their oh, <laughs> bread uh, and stuff. It was quite neat. Is there still a local bakery in Estrahazy that, no. that may have? No. No. Oh. The only bakeries are in the grocery stores. Oh, right. But uh, probably at the time when oh, this was time, functioning. Oh, there absolutely, would be, yeah. yeah so he delivered to the local people. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it tells us here that, you know, the mill opened, started milling flour in 1907, June of 1907. This is one of the former early owners. Right. And there was also a story going around when I got involved uh, that the mill in Whitewood was moved here. Uh-huh. And that's actually written in the history book in Whitewood. Well, the mill in Whitewood burnt down in 1907. And this was milling in ni- or 1909. This one was milling in 1907. Oh. But what happened is the miller moved here. Uh-huh. His name was Frank Size, and he lived in a house just over here. Had five children. Right. One of them was a teacher. In so town. this became their mill? Well, the well? guy that owned the Whitewood Mill was yeah. James Sanders. Yeah. He owned this one as well, right. along with some other stuff. Right. And horse racehorses or whatever horses in a feed store and what. Right. But he owned them. Right. And there's articles in the paper about him coming to check and the materials weren't coming on time. So what else is new? Right. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. And so on. And uh, so then he owned it and then this Frank Size ended up owning it, but he was the miller here for, there was two people before him. Right. And he was here for a long time, 10 or 15 years maybe. And his, one of his daughters was a teacher and used to bring the kids over to play in the mill. And he said, well, it wasn't dangerous. Well, yeah, you got to be careful. You know, we're not stupid. Did you grow up in this? No, I didn't. Yeah. I came here to teach in 1971. Oh. Oh, so it was not fun. You said it's... It was still functional in, in 71. We okay. bought flour here and did you? bought potato bags and whatever. What did you teach? Uh, agriculture mainly to start. Oh, there was is that a right? course called SAS Studies, and then ended up teaching physics and math. The last is there a local college or at the, on the high school? No, that's the high school. Yeah. All right, and the high school still here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. was. It was the biggest rural high school in the province. Oh, right. We had 750 kids from grades seven to twelve when I came here. Wow, was the it population was, of Esterhazy growing or getting smaller? It does this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is a nice little. Oh, look at this. Nobody's this is the vault. Unless they bring the, the town safe. <laughs> bring people along. Right. But, right. Uh, Anyone know the combination? Well, the story with that, you see, this is nicely painted in here. Yes. We got it all cleaned up, painted. And right. A while later, somebody walked in and said, you know, the combination of the safe was written on the wall up there. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's behind the paint. <laughs> so it's behind the paint. Oh. But I had a fellow came in. He said, if, you know, as long as it's open, they can get in the back and they can. Oh. Figured out or reset it. Right. This would have been the original bags that were used. Uh-huh. Cotton bags with a paper cover. Right. And uh, we've got a lot of souvenirs, but we didn't use all these colors. We just used right. two colors. That would make them. a great T-shirt. Yeah. Well, we've got lots of T-shirts. Yeah. We have T-shirts. Do you? you? <laughs> yes. Ralph, is, Ralph is upselling me already. <laughs> so this is our office and 
All right. Where we sell, like we've got fridge magnets. We got local artists did this. Right. We sell prints of it. Oh, nice. Photography. We got history books. That's a beautiful photo. It is very nice. Yeah. yeah. And this is sort of a postcard type of thing. Oh, right. Really. Right. And one of the guys that's going to talk to us today designed and made that. He does scroll work. And is this authentic flour? It's wheat. Wheat. Right. Wheat in there. Then the DVD I talked to you about. That's on yeah. The yes. Right. And we make, uh, we have a, a grinder to make whole wheat flour and oh, we right. sell it, but not in the mill here. Oh, right. It's uh, away. Right. When we went to do get our award in 2004, yeah. we took two pieces of Bristol board and that's what we had. All right. Up against people that did work on the University of Saskatchewan in right. building. <laughs> right. But we all got the same award. And then we have... Barbecue aprons and carry bags and lots of merchandise. And uh, you know, grocery bags, replaceable. We got bird feeders. Can you buy any of this stuff online as well? Can you order it on it? No. So you got to come here. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, t-shirts and golf shirts to fit just about anybody. We almost made the stamp. Oh. They came and took pictures of the flour mills in Canada. We made this first day cover yes. thing, but we didn't get to be on a stamp. But uh, and this book is a, this is a ledger from the mill in 1967 that tells you know this person brought in flour, how much, how much he got credit for. Here he took more than he would brought in, so it's uh, right. in the red. In and the we're red. actually putting this on a computer. Oh, so in theory we can put in pictures of this guy if we find one, and right. when he brought and get all. The so now you can you can figure out who still owes money. <laughs> okay, so now I am in the uh, Esterhazy Museum, and I have with me two guests who are uh, a, an important part of the history of this area. I'll let you both introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Jim Millam. Jim Millam. Uh, and Ray Bradley. Ray, great. So, Jim, tell me a little bit about yourself. Are you from Esterhazy? Uh, partly. I was here in 1936, uh-huh. and then we moved to the farm, and I lived south of Stockholm, which is like 12 miles yes. away. I just drove through there on my way uh, here. Yes. Right. So we were on a farm after that. Right. So we're we're on the grounds, basically, of the, of the flour mill, which uh, Ralph took me over. So... What did the flour mill mean to you folks um, growing up in this area? We didn't have a lot of contact with it. Uh, I know Dad took wheat in and and gristed it on occasion, but we'd never come in with them. Right. So I didn't know a great deal about that. Right. Um, but what was what was the draw to be in this area? Was it was the farm in the family that you had already, or? Uh, yes, my uh, grandfather lived in Esterhazy, and he bought and sold land. Right. So that's where my dad got it. Right. So you grew up as a farm boy then? Yes. Right. Yeah. So hard work. Oh, there's a lot of hard work and some exciting times. Right. And when did you stop um, farming? Oh, when I uh, graduated from high school, I went on. To other things, right? University and teaching. Where did you go to university? In uh, Saskatoon, primarily. Uh huh. And you studied and, what? Oh, I got a degree in arts and in education. Uh huh. 
And so you taught in the school system? Yes. What was your, what subject was your subject? Oh, history was my subject. Is that right? Specifically Canadian history. Right. So what's, to you, what's the most... What, what's the most significant part of Canadian history that gets you excited? Well, I was always interested in uh, the settlement of the West in particular. Right. And that's what I worked in. Right. For a while, I was uh, writing newspaper articles about uh, Western Canadian settlement. Oh, I was involved with uh, uh, the history book primarily. Ah, so- we spent about six years producing it. Right, so Esther Hazy now has its own history. Yeah, right. Right. Mm-hmm. And were you a contributor writing-wise, or did you edit that? I was editor. Right. What's the most, in your estimation, what's the most significant part of Esther Hazy's history? What's, what's, what would sort of be a turning point in, in Esther Hazy's history? Well, obviously the mill was the main turning point. Right. I'm sorry, the the mine, I meant to say. The mine. The mill in earlier days, but I don't. That was about the time Esther Hazy began. Right. But the mine, when the mine... The mine made a huge difference, yes. Right, right. Uh, for, the, for the better. Uh, the, for the better and for the worse. Uh-huh. For the better because of the economy? Uh, yes, it gave jobs to a lot of local people. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people stayed in farming because... They could work in the mine and uh, look after their quarter or half section of land at the same time. Right, right. Otherwise, they would be working in Ontario or somewhere. Right. And what were the negative aspects of the the mining industry? Oh, the housing problem was, of course, a big one. Uh, Another one was uh, taxes because of the huge expansion of the town. Right. And there were a number of people in the south end of town who had large uh, lots. They had come in from the farm and they actually had a barn in the backyard and chickens and pigs and whatever. And their taxes went up tremendously. Right. And of course, they were on a fixed income. So did that force a lot of people to have to sell the farms? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. no. Um, growing up in this area, can you recall any stories of some of the more colorful people that lived in this neighborhood? I was in, um, I was in Fort Capel the day before yesterday and 
speaking to one of the old timers there, there wasn't a person in that town that was born that was actually called by the name they were christened with. They had <laughs> Stiffy the Undertaker, and everybody just called nobody <laughs> nobody knew who Stiffy's name what Stiffy's name really was. He was just always known as Stiffy. Were there colorful folks like that in this area? Oh yes. Yes, tell yes, me a bit about some of them. Well, I didn't know this area particularly well. Right. Uh, my uncle said his neighbor uh, wasn't a very good farmer. The fence kept blowing over and he would go out and he'd lean one fence post this way, the next one the other way, and prop up the wire that way. Uh-huh. So, the quickest fix possible. Yeah, the easiest. That was before <laughs> duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was true, that's true. Right, and so what did you do for fun? Yeah. Oh, on the farm. Yeah, uh, on the farm. Yeah, softball was a big thing in school. Right. We all played softball, and we had a really good team. At home, uh, oh, we used to run all over the the farm, shooting at each other with arrows and toy guns and so on. Right. Was there, were there animals on the farm? What kind oh, of farm? yes. Yes? Yes, we had uh, pigs and chickens, horses and cows. Right. So were you supplying dairy? Um, no. No, we, uh, we, the milk was for our own use. We had four boys in the family, so we went through a, lot of, a lot of it, yes. Right. We were all great milk drinkers. Right. And we're, uh, by this time, we're talking what year? Okay, uh, we were on the farm in 1937 until I left home in the mid-50s. Right. Thirty-seven was the worst year. We moved to the farm on June, July fifth, nineteen thirty-seven, and my mother always said it was the hottest year of the hottest day of the hottest year. And I checked on the internet, and it was right one hundred and seven degrees. No kidding. And uh, Yellow Creek, and uh, I think it was Malfort, set a record of one hundred and eleven, which is a record still today, the record for Canada. Right, right. So, yeah, so they were the worst of times. Oh, there, definitely, yes. Right. Yeah. How did you, how did you keep a stiff upper lip during times like that? Well, we didn't know we were poor. Aha. Uh-huh. Everybody else was the same. Right. We, we didn't feel singled out in any way. Right. In fact, some were worse off than we were. So you didn't feel like you were without? No. Right. Uh, we weren't to a great extent because mm-hmm. when we moved to the farm, we had a huge vegetable garden. Right. We had all kinds of berries around the farm. Right. And we picked them and canned them for the winter, mm-hmm. like everyone did. Right. So, yeah, we uh, we provided a lot for ourselves. Yeah, you're pretty self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to rely on coupons. Well, the coupons, <laughs> the coupons came out during the during the during war. During the war, yeah, yes. Right. Uh, for well, they did affect us somewhat because sugar was short supply. That's what Tori was saying. Yeah, yeah my dad uh, had bees, so ah. he had honey for sweetening. Now you were so self-sufficient. Were you? Uh, were people kind of knocking at your door? No, no, no. Everyone was doing the same thing. Oh, the they road. were. Uh, although my uncle said in the towns things were very different. Right. Uh, they were suffering. Right. We had our own meat, uh, 
coffee we didn't have, but we sometimes roasted wheat and used that right. as a substitute. Right. Gas was a big problem, gasoline, yeah. because uh, it was in such short supply you couldn't go anywhere. Right. And if you took a farm truck uh, down to the lake, for instance, you're liable to meet the RCMP and they would uh, fine you for using it unnecessarily. Right. Was there um, bootlegging that went on in this area? Oh, yeah. Yes? Um, I don't know how much was going on here. I guess maybe Ray can tell you. Or maybe he can't. I don't know. But <laughs> Ray's the, pleading the fifth time. <laughs> in the areas I lived in, um, it was it was very common. Right, right. Yeah, homemade. I, I think it was one of those things that was very common and nobody talked about it and that occasionally even the RCMP knew how common it was because they oh, were yes. some of the recipients. So oh, the proverbial right. blind eye always, uh, got, uh, always got turned. Those yeah, are that's true. Yeah, those are the yeah there were a lot of stories that came out of that. Right. How, what do you think about uh, the state of farming now, how it's, how it's changed? I decided a long time ago that I didn't want to be a farmer. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to work for my dad the rest of my life mm -hmm. or his right. life. Right. So I stayed away from it, but I did, uh, I did work on farms quite a bit. But do you admire the advancement of um, technology? Yes. It's generally a good yes. thing. On the other hand, uh, the uh, economy is not what it used to be. Right. Anyway. Right. So we've made advancements yet. Yeah, there is the, right, 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 right. Um, what was I going to ask you? As a teacher, as a history teacher, um, how concerned were you at that time and even now that the new generation coming up isn't as interested in preserving? I mean, you probably don't have grade 12 kids that are sitting on the board uh, to to uh, make, keep the flour mill afloat. Um, I was very concerned about the, the lack of interest. Yeah. We used to make trips up to uh, Batoche every year, uh -huh. one class of the high school, uh, to learn a little bit more about that time. Right. And uh, I took classes to the legislature in Regina. Right. So, yeah, we tried hard to bring about some interest and I think we did. Uh -huh. I mean I had a very poor student of mine come back about 10 years later and and tell me that he had he was interested in Canadian history hmm. because of what he had learned in school. That must have felt gratifying. Yes particularly when I thought he had never been listening to me. Well, you <laughs> yeah, well, but that's so very common. It's yeah. often those people that end up being the one most influenced. True enough. Yeah. Were, were any of the um, young students involved in writing of the history book? Uh, no. 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 They have access to it, though, yeah? Oh, definitely, right. yes. Uh, is the flour mill on the touring circuit for, for the, these kids that are going to school here? They brought I don't know. It's the teacher's choice as to whether or not they... Right. You've stayed in this province all your life. All my life, yeah. Why? I mean, when so many people choose to move elsewhere, they... they what 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 there is it were, about Saskatchewan that you love? Uh, 
oh, I, I really like Saskatchewan and it's got a great deal more variety than visitors uh, realize. Yeah. One of the, uh, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but one of the anomalies of this province is that they ran uh, the railway and the number one highway through the flattest part of the whole province. It's true, and, and that's what you tend to associate. Yes, people right. drive through Saskatchewan and say, there's nothing to see. No, you're quite yeah. right. You're quite right. I lived in the Cypress Hills area. Right, which is stunning. I just love that. Yeah, yeah, really beautiful. Yeah, and so you had never had any desire to run away to the big city. Well, there were jobs available here. Right. That's what drew most of the people away to the cities. Yeah. Uh, and having grown up on the farm, I... I really didn't want to go to the city. I didn't even want to teach in a uh, town. Right. Although I did when I went into high school. Right. But they were always small towns. Yeah. Yeah. Ray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your turn. Let's turn the mic on you a little bit. Tell me a bit about yourself. Were you born in Esterhazy? I was born in Hazelcliff, which is about nine miles away from here. Okay. And uh, I lived all my life right right around Hazelcliff and Estrazy. Right. I quit school in 1947, mm -hmm. and I worked uh, <clears throat> on the farm. And in uh, about 1960, we bought my grandfather's farm. Mm -hmm. Before that, we were just living four miles away. Right. We bought my grandfather's homestead farm. He had homesteaded in 1889. Wow. And uh, Dad tells the story that, uh, that Dad, Grandpa-like, came in March. He said, Mom came in June, and I came in August of, of 1889. Wow. And uh, there was two brother, well, two brother-in-laws. I married your sister, and you married mine. They met uh, Grandpa Bradley right. and Grandpa Delmage. So that was this, the connection. That right. I married your sister and you married mine. Right. And they came together in 1889. And the railroad had only come as far as Mooseman then. Uh -huh. And they walked to wow. where we were at Hazelcliff. I don't know how, they, right. how many days it took them. It right. was, it's about a 40-mile walk. Right. And then they took up homesteads there on Section 32. One of them took the east quarter and the other took the west. Right. And uh, the, the story is they built a house the, the first summer, and then the women came out and they lived together in this house the first summer, and then they built another house on the other quarter the next summer. Right. And uh, I stayed there until I retired Four years ago, and moved into Estrich. Right. I was on that well, grandpa's farm till from '47 till what the heck? Four years ago it was 1910, I guess. Yeah. Or 2010. Four, yeah, 2010. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And and uh, so did the farm get handed off to another family member? No, it didn't. Oh, so it, you sold the sold, farm? Yes, <laughs> the homestead farm. Right. It was. Uh, we got the hundred year plaque in yes. in ninety nine. Uh huh. Yeah. That must have felt like yes. a <laughs> yeah. But no, I, it was sold to another Now day. was it a working farm right up until the time you sold oh, it? Yes, it still is. It still is. Yeah. And what would you have been what would have been the major focus of your uh, of your farm when you were there? 
What? I mean, did you have cattle? Oh yes, we had food. lots of cattle. We right. we oats right. and barley and flax and right. rape and cattle. <laughs> right. Were there the 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 trying times farming? I mean, it's you must have a constitution to just be able to weather the worst of conditions. How do you? Yes. Uh, uh, when I, I was like uh, Jim here, I was just too young to go to the war. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I stayed on the farm and, and uh, well, I, I guess there was trying times, but we didn't seem to think it was terrible. Right. <laughs> no. But, but also just from an economy point of view, were there times when people were, weren't just buying what you were selling? That's true, and yeah. I, I, I know our, my mother will like egg, get eggs, and she'd take them to town, town which was closer to Nestridge, uh -huh. with the horse and cart, and seven miles it was, and sell these eggs and for trade them for sugar and things right. that we didn't have on the farm. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So it was. It came down to trade at that. Point. Yes, yes, right. yeah. When did the railway co finally come through? Huh. About 1905. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I don't, really don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's gone again now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the right. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's coming, it's gone. Yeah. Um, did you have uh, rather colorful folk growing up in, in your town? Were there, were there any folklore legends about any of the, any of the more colorful people living in, in town? <laughs> Did you have a Stiffy the Undertaker? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't can't think of anything right mm -hmm. now. But <laughs> what did you do to entertain yourself on the farm? Well, same thing as he did. Softball was a pretty big thing. Because there wasn't, you didn't probably didn't have TV. No, oh, right. TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's just> <laughs> not for a long time. Right, right. <laughs> Mostly never a radio either. Well, we Mostly had the radio, radio. and uh, I remember. Uh, the neighbors used to come over to uh, to listen to Amos and Andy on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. and we were one of the first families to get a radio. Yeah. Right, yeah. really? So, yeah. but he uh, he says Stockholm had a good ball team. We had a good ball team too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never competed against each other. No, I don't think so. No, it's too no. far apart. Right. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. Well, you wouldn't think so now. Yeah. But then no, it was, right? But it was. It oh, was yeah. too far apart. Stockholm yeah. was a long way away. Well, we used to go to the neighboring school. Yeah. Dad would drive the smaller kids in the car, and the older kids would take the bikes. Right. So yeah. we'd go at most five, six miles. Right. Yeah. When did you get a car? Uh, 29. Uh, we had a 29 Whippet. Uh, I don't know just what year that would be. We got that probably into the forties. Right. Yeah. yeah. Are there things looking, you know, knowing what you came up through and what you had to make do with, and do you think that the this generation could weather the hardship of the depression and the war going through? Going through. I, I don't think they could. Uh, Sometimes when you tell them what you did, they said, well, what'd you do it for? Right. Well, we did, did it to survive. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of time for navel-gazing navel back then, looking, no. looking at yourself and saying, how am I affected by this? Is no. this really my calling no. in life? You weren't, people weren't talking like that. No. Was it common um, 
to to leave school and work on the farm or yes it yeah. was right yeah. yeah and that's just because well it, you just well why you tell me why was it there wasn't a pressure to finish school no i guess there wasn't a not like me and my older brother lauren we stayed on the farm and then the other two younger boys went to school right and they they went to right. university and right yeah you think you probably learned a lot more than a lot more stuff that, that you wouldn't have learned in school working on a farm. Well, yes, a lot it, more it, life lessons. Yes, yes, survival right. lessons. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you see all the technology that's well, that's advanced since in, then, even in the last ten years, yeah, the technology is terrible. Right. What do you think? The What do you think that in in your lifetime, what would you say is the most the most significant invention? The, the invention that's had the most positive effect. Well, I think about hydraulics. It was was one of the best right. best things that ever right. happened. That's every every machine is is hydraulics is a big feature on every machine now. Right. Yeah. Do you remember when you first started, got your your first hydraulics yes, machine? We had the power lift, and we thought that was a good thing. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Till it got full of grease, and then <laughs> right. But then hydraulics came about. Well, I guess in the 50s. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything I, that you can think? What about you? Do you think anything the most, I mean, you're a historian. What do you think is the most significant? For farming, I would have to agree with Ray on that. Right. Yeah. I remember the old power lift. And, yeah. Right. Uh, it didn't work very well. No. And in a lot of cases, you did it by hand. Right. Yeah. You uh, yeah. raised the... the uh, you know, implement by the with table, lever. Yeah. yeah, right. The yeah. binder table had to come up with a great big lever. Yeah. Well, that makes sense that the technology that had the biggest impact on your life was yes. was on the farm. Yeah. Um, are there things that you see that have been developed that you kind of shake your head and say, "Ah, that we can do without"? Um, well, I see hydraulics. That was in my time, but now I guess and not so. necessarily even farming. No, well, GPS and everything now. Well, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And that has only happened in the last 10 years. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you think we rely too much on technology now? I mean, you guys had to rely on your smarts. Yeah. You actually yeah. had to I guess maybe you do. We do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you have any memories of the flour mill? Yes. Around here? <laughs> Tell me about those. <laughs> I all did. Well, that would be in... About somewhere about 48, 49, I, I, I quit school in 47, so and I hauled grain to the mill with horses. About about 25 or 30 bushels, I think, was what we hauled. And how long would that trek have taken you? Oh, about two hours, right. three hours, hell. Right. Yeah. And so you'd bring the grain, they'd weigh how much grain you had. Yes, and then... Right. And then they'd hoist it up and dump it, and, and then you'd get your flour. It seems to me that we got about 12 bags of flour out of 20, <coughs> 25 or 30 bushels a week. Is that right? And then we'd take maybe two bags home and let them store the rest at the mill here. Right. And we uh, let them keep the mice out of it. Right, right. <laughs> so what, how much would that kind of service cost? How much would it cost you to bring? I don't think very much. It was more or less a trade. Is that right? Yeah. 
and some of the flour that uh, they would they, store here could they sell? No, is that part of the bargain? No, no, no. They, they they stored it for you. Yes, you were. Maybe maybe we brought in extra bushels of wheat that to pay for the gristing. I think we did. Right. Yes. And so yeah, that yes. so that you maybe. And this, yeah. Put in what we were told is that you got half. Oh. Oh. Yeah. It right. might, so might be. Reasonable. Reasonable. I don't think. It, got to take yeah. Half. Right. I don't think it cost us very much dollars. Okay. All right. We traded wheat, cost, yeah. wheat for the flour and and the. And with the half that you took home, yeah. what would would that be kept just for yourself, or would oh, yes. you also right? Oh yes. And so and we'd get. Uh, uh, porridge, whatever, oat, right. no, the wheat meal, with wheat bran, wheat bran, and so on, and right. and we'd take a few bags of bran and and shorts to feed the pigs too. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, out of that twenty-five or thirty bushels, well, how much come off the top for expenses and how much was gristed. Right. But I think we got about twelve or, or around twelve bags of flour, and we we're living in a two-story house and. And you had to carry that hundred bags of flour upstairs, and a uh, hundred pounds yeah. of flour it doesn't carry very easy. It's so darn floppy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember right. that. <laughs> Who was the bread maker in your family? <laughs> well, I guess Dad. <laughs> yeah. 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 And was it common for people to to have bakeries on their own on their own property? Would you have bake sales and things like that? I mean, no, no, just to. Pretty well for our own use. Everybody was pretty self-sufficient. Yes. There wasn't yeah. a need to go. There weren't people on the other side of the tracks that were the have-nots. Everybody. No, no. Right. Everybody was in the same boat. Right. Uh, yeah. But but uh, mom just used the flour for baking and baked bread once a week. <laughs> right. Flory was telling me about, she had some memories around Halloween. Did you guys celebrate Halloween growing up? Yeah, uh, but not that much. Uh, right. We didn't do anything bad. Right. What, would, <laughs> what was Christmas like on the farm? Everybody would come home. And, and, yeah. Uh, or we'd go over to Grandma and Grandpa's or whatever. Right. Uh, it yeah. must have been very magical. It's kind of the, the hallmark Christmases that we think of. Yes, yes. It, yeah. was, it was a lot to eat. A lot to eat, yeah. right? <laughs> that was a big thing. And yeah, yeah. Na neighbors uh, would come over, and we yeah. would go over there during Christmas yeah. holidays. Right. I often yeah. wondered that the neighbor, because I'm from Nova Scotia, so you know the oh, farming yeah. villages are stacked up one on top of each other. Yeah. But when you're driving through the prairies and you see these huge farmlands, and there's one house, and then you drive and drive and drive, and then yet they call each other neighbors. Um, well, you know, do you oh, have yeah. a sense of well, in our day, yeah. the farmers were a lot closer, closer. together. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yes. where you have five farms today, there were 20 or more. Oh, yes. that's right. That's right. So, so the lots were so, smaller. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. There yeah. were a lot of quarter, oh, quarter and section half and half section farmers. Right. right. Yeah. So you truly had neighbors. Yeah. You were asking Jim about bootleggers uh, and stuff. Yeah. We didn't have that. And my mom and dad were. They, they didn't drink, and that was uh -huh. all there was to it, and there was nothing. And we were brought up that we didn't drink either. Right, right. <laughs> was that rare for folks in your town? I mean, was it? No, I don't think so. Right. No. no. That's, that's upstanding of you. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, there one uh, factor, of course, is that we couldn't afford to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We didn't have cash to buy no, beer no, in the no, in no. town, even. No. Right. So it was special occasion only. Yes. Uh, Jim said about uh, uh, baking the wheat to make. <laughs> we ate that wheat to make porridge, and we we did too the same thing. Baked some wheat in the oven, yeah. And roasted wheat to make yes. coffee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever get sick of wheat after a while? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what else was there? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's right. What was the alternative? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Apart but, from, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you mentioned Christmas. Yeah. The big occasion for us was the Christmas concert. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Because um, yes. we prepared for that. Uh, we were told that we could start preparing. When the first permanent snow hit the ground, right, and that would which would have been what August, November, <laughs> not likely. So uh, yeah, we had a big uh, concert. It was a great affair for us. Yes, our yes. chance to act and yeah. get uh, some candy too. Yeah. Did you reenact the nativity scene with real farm animals? No, no. <laughs> No. no, I often wondered if that's what folks on the farm did. No, they uh, never did have animals in our hall. Right. <laughs> well, that's not true. I uh, played a piano solo for the Christmas concert one year. Oh. I worked hard in learning it. I can't play the piano anymore. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, did you continue no. playing? And uh, I just got well started on the minuet in G, actually. Uh-huh. And a dog wandered on stage. <laughs> So it had followed somebody to the hall and come in the back door. And it came up on the stage and wandered around my legs. And I lost track of the song. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to stop and start over again. And uh, it wandered around some more and came back underneath my legs. And finally, I just hit a couple of loud chords and that was the end of the song. We call that upstaging. Yes. If you were upstaged yes. by an animal. There's a rule of thumb, never work with children or animals for that. For that exactly. You didn't keep piano up, but did you, did no. you stay musical at all? My mother was a piano teacher. Oh, so you pretty much had to, right? Uh, yeah, but right. after that, right. no, I didn't. But as an adult, no? No. No? Inclined to listen to music, though. Oh, I love there. listening to music. Yes, right, right, uh, right. Are there musical groups in this in, in yes. This was a great town for uh, dance bands. Uh huh. Oh, really? Uh, all around this area. Yeah, yeah. big bands. Yes. Right. Yes, and uh, and uh, of course there was the uh, a brass band at Stockholm. Yeah. And here there was the Bohemian band. Yeah, yeah. What does the Bohemian band play? Uh, Old time music, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it was uh, uh, quite a mixture of instruments, I think. Right. Brass instruments as right. well. Ray, did you grow up musical at all? Were you forced to play anything? I did play a trumpet when I after I quit school. I was uh-huh. in a band and played a trumpet and for a couple of years, but. It looked to me the the guys down there were having more fun than I was, so I <laughs> sold the trumpet, and, and now I wish I had it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Preferred the girls to the yeah, trumpet. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. 
You would have grown up during a time when there weren't a lot of vaccines and there were a lot of um, a lot of uh, illnesses that were rampant. Um, did they affect any of your any of your towns? Were there were there health concerns yes. in your day? Yeah. In the fifties, uh, polio went through, right, yeah. and quite a few people were affected. Uh, mostly not very heavily, no. right. but I find out now that it's come back to haunt me. Yeah. Yeah. We had a boat with scarlet fever. I remember that. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And would you, did you lose any? No, we didn't. Right. No. Right. Very sick. <laughs> right. Yeah. And measles. Right. Yes. Yeah. Were there crazy home remedies back then? I mean, sulfur and molasses, for instance. For, yeah, for uh, mustard plaster. Mustard yeah. plaster, right, yeah. on the chest. For yeah. Yeah. What was the sulfur and molasses for? Uh, I think it was intended as a tonic. Right, you for know, whatever else, yeah. You looking pale or whatever, yeah. Whatever else, yeah. But yeah. Cod liver oil was a big one. Right. Yeah. And uh, we had wild strawberry for right. uh, constipation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. We hated all of them. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think back then? Your cattle wouldn't have been dealing with all the, you know, ingesting all the hormones and everything no. in the feed. What do you think about that now? I mean, it's just it's such a controversial subject. Now we're seeing farming become organic, and we've got free range and hormone free. It's incredibly expensive to shop that way. Yes, it's really increased the price. Right. And I don't know that uh, it's made any great difference. Right. <laughs> Ray, have you lived outside of Saskatchewan at all? Have you all stayed no. here all your life? I lived within 10 miles of Estreezy. Right. <laughs> so going to a big town would just be like fingernails on a chalkboard to you? Yeah, that's right. Is that right? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> like, what would you, like Regina would be? Oh, yeah. Would be your, Regina, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's okay? Yeah. Would go down to Toronto or Montreal. Yeah, right. I've been there, but get back home again. <laughs> what is it? That, what is it about Saskatchewan that keeps um, keeps us here? Well, I don't know. I guess it it is the room we have room. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the people, perhaps. Yes. Right. You know, you have good neighbors. You yeah. have people helping each other. Yeah. Uh, is this uh, a neighbor? Is this a town where everybody knows everyone? Pretty well. Yeah, yes. pretty much. Well, the last couple of years, with there, there's a lot of uh, workers coming back and forth that we don't know, but right. but mostly we know everybody. When did the two of you become acquainted? Well, just yeah, recently. <laughs> recently, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It, I suppose we're kind of related by marriage. Yes. Yeah. How so? Yeah. But like I say, Stockholm was a long way away. Right. So, what's the, what's the marriage connection? Oh, my second cousin is married to his brother. brother. Yeah. Oh, right. So it's distant. Yeah. Oh. But I think there were some other relationships with yeah. Delmages. Oh, was there? Yeah. Yeah, but as you say, your two towns growing up would have been no, would have been quite far apart. Far right. apart. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about life? down this part of the world that you can think of? We used to go to Estrizi or town town to dances, but we never went to Stockholm because yeah. it was too far. <laughs> and we used to go to Dubuque. Oh, yeah. Grayson. Yeah. And you would get there by? Oh, by then it was by car. Right, by car. Yeah, by, 
I, I came to estuary quite a few dances with horses. Is that right? <laughs> in the winter time, we'd have a van with a stove in it and take off for the dance. Were winters just as harsh then as they are now? I think so. Yeah. And roads were, we didn't have any roads. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. In 1947, we had drifts that covered the telephone poles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we didn't travel much. No, I'm sure yeah. not. So every time anything... You, you put your car away if you had one, and you put it away the first time it got cold because there wasn't down to freeze. Right. No. Right. Yeah. So you pretty much hunkered down for the winter. Yeah. And there was no internet. No. Did no. you did you have phone by then? Oh yeah, we had phone. Right. Yeah. Yes. Party line. Oh right, the yeah. good old party line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You knew what was happening in the neighborhood. Yeah. Just, that was the source of the entertainment I yeah. <laughs> One of our neighbors had a big clock beside the phone. So you always knew when she was listening. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Big Ben would go off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> like I say, the the kids now, when, it, when you tell them this, well, why'd you do it? Right. Yeah, why'd you do it? Well, <laughs> there was no alternative. Right, it was yeah. survival. Yeah. But in winter, we'd go out skiing and snowshoeing. Yeah. Right. Bogging. Yeah. 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 Well, we didn't have a hill within well, we, 20 yeah. miles. Well, we uh, lived right on the banks of the Coppell. Right. Uh, our first farm, like, oh yeah, yeah, beautiful area, yeah. really beautiful area. Did you dig holes in the side of drifts and make oh, yeah, little make, houses? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I used yeah. to do that, and inevitably somebody's would fall in with them inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It could be disastrous. Right, right. But, but uh, it, it wasn't a bad life. We've been, we've had a good life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's as you say, you knew nothing else but, yes. so you didn't feel like you no, were without. No, no, right. no. And, and, and so you feel satisfied looking back. It feels yes, like a very yeah, full... Yeah. The big thing was that we entertained ourselves. Yes. Yeah. We didn't have organized sports, really, right. like they have now. Right. right. Uh, like our grandchildren driving a hundred miles to a hockey game. Yeah, right. yeah, right. yeah. But we found lots of things to do. Yeah. So there's there's joy to be found in simplicity. Yes, oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. I I enjoy scenery and the mountains, and mm -hmm. I made quite a few trips west. Right. In fact, this morning I just got off the phone from organizing a trip on this uh, CN train, this Canadian yeah. through the mountains, and so we. We're booked up now. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. But it sounds like you don't need much to make you happy. <laughs> I love to sit in the veranda during a heavy th uh, rainstorm. Yeah. 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 I like the sounds and the smell and everything. It's yeah. great to know that sometimes that's enough. That, yes. You know, yeah. that, 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 that's entertainment in and of itself. Just, yeah. Yeah. Thank you both for sharing a little piece of your life. You're welcome. With me. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created by Kevin Power as part of the Culture Days Animata program, operated by Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sports, Culture, and Recreation. If you want to hear more of these podcasts, 
or to see the great work being done by other SAS culture animateurs, please visit www.iheartculture.ca. Special thanks to Paved Arts in Saskatoon for their technical support. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There is no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...